1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. You've heard me talk a lot about that the past few weeks, months, and it is exciting venture, and we are getting ready to really... Well, this, this football season could be really special. We'll put it that way. I have a special show for you today. It's not your typical Wednesday show. Typically on Wednesday... You have nothing but me really the entire time. You have me in the, the first half giving my thoughts on whatever is the burning topic amongst the Steelers fan base. Second half, we get in the mailbag segment. We're still going to do the mailbag segment, but the first half is going to be a little bit different. After we go over some news and notes, I'm going to have a guest. going to actually have a guest, Wesley Coleman, who if you listen to our Fans First NFL feed, so FFSN NFL, wherever you get your podcasts. I've been doing a lot of shows with him called Opinion or Fact. A lot of fun. really enjoy him. He is a New Orleans Saints fan. He covers the New Orleans Saints for Fans for Sports Network. And he is also an LSU fan. So I brought him on the show to talk all about Quan Alexander. What does he do well? What does he not do so well? Why, was he, why is he always just these one-year deals? What does he bring to the Steelers' defense? We're going to do that in the first half. But first, let's get to the news. You know, we have some new running backs. Shockingly, the Steelers had two roster spots. They signed two running backs. They released one. Everyone's assuming... That Alfonso Graham is going to be going on injured or the reserve slash injured list. He's towards labrum. That was news. I want to say it was maybe Monday afternoon. They didn't. Maybe the labrum is not a season-ending injury. I don't know. Nonetheless, the player himself thought it was season-ending. He put it out there on social media. We ran with it at Steel Curtain Network. I don't know how that's going to work out, to be honest. But nonetheless, I want to add though. That the, the two running backs that were added, Alfonso Graham, remains, at least for now. They The Steelers on Tuesday had their first padded practice. That's usually a pretty big deal for the Steelers, and it was again. Seven shots update. The defense wins again. Uh, the, the offense gave them a run for the money, had a 2-0 lead to start Najee Harris up the gut twice in a row for two touchdowns, and then they end up blowing it. So defense is up 3-1 to one now on the seven shots period throughout training camp. Let's talk about injuries. Alfonso Graham mentioned him with the labrum. He obviously didn't practice a scary scene. Corey Trice Jr. Seventh round draft pick. Everyone had a lot of high hopes for him left with a non-contact knee injury. After practice, Mike Tomlin said he's not sure of the severity of it. They're going to leave it at that. Connor Hayward was getting his ankle taped up, twisted it. Don't think it's serious. And Alandon Roberts was someone that Mike Tomlin also addressed and said he wasn't able to finish, but it was mainly precautionary. Didn't go into whether it was heat related or something like that. So We'll keep an eye on that. So Alandon Roberts also was unable to finish. The biggest story, though, outside of Corey Trace's injury, had to be George Pickens' unbelievable catch over Joey Porter Jr. Just phenomenal. I had people, because I shared it on my Twitter account. I had people saying that's 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 offensive pass interference. I'm sorry, they were they were hand fighting the entire way down the sideline. George Pickens goes inside, goes up over top, one hand to grab. Phenomenal. You can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. You'll see where I put out that video. Check it out. You can also see it on our Steel Curtain Network Instagram feed. Just search Steel Curtain Network, and it's our latest uh, reel there. But, man, what a great catch. And it, for those that are complaining about penalties, the officials were at practice, and there was an f- official right there on the sideline, and it did not get flagged. Now, would pickets have been flagged? Pickens... Would have been flagged for taunting after the play? After Absolutely. He threw the ball at Joey Porter, kind of tossed it at him. So, yeah, he would have been flagged for that. But the catch, amazing. That's what everyone was talking about. But what I want to talk about here in this first half of the show with Wesley is all Quan Alexander. I want to get your thoughts, get his thoughts, and then give you, the Steeler fan, an idea as to what this guy brings to the Steelers' defense here in 2023. Really good conversation. We'll be right back with Wesley Coleman after a word from our sponsors. All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, I teased this on Monday. I talked about it to start off the show, this Let's Ride podcast here on Wednesday, and that is to have a special guest, Wesley Coleman, in to talk about one Kwan Alexander. That's right, the newest Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker, I guess a free agent acquisition for Omar Khan in the middle of training camp, getting ready for their first padded practice on Tuesday. He was signed before that. He's excited. The dude said he's a thumper, but I wanted to get to know Quan Alexander is the player now I've talked to Wesley a lot if you checked out our FFS and NFL feed you heard Wesley and myself talk a bunch on our opinion in fact podcast Wesley welcome to the let's ride podcast how's it going
0: thanks for having me man I'm uh, I'm excited we got real football stuff going on this is yeah one of the last free agent shinings maybe there's a few guys left out yeah. there that we we see trickling in but uh it's, it's cool to see Quan get another chance
1: so you go back You're a year, big LSU fan. Obviously you cover the New Orleans saints for fans for sports network. And so you have seen Quan Alexander, both collegiately, and then also as a professional in his singular season with the New Orleans saints. Let's go back to college. Then. Let's start with LSU days. Quan Alexander as a tiger. Tell me a little bit about his time down there in death Valley and, and what your thoughts were of him in college.
0: Yeah, he was a two year starter in college and, um, very very productive um flashed on the field as far as his his quickness and um you called him a thumper when he is in the right spot at the right place like he will run through somebody um and i mean his sideline to sideline speed was always uh, shown and i think i mean even though he has a fast 40 it's shown better on he's a four five five forty 40 coming out of college but even i think he shows faster than that on the field um uh, through through college for sure
1: okay um, so good i'm sorry
0: well, no, I was going to say, so he, um, I mean, there, there was things that weren't perfect about uh, and that you'll still see to this day. I don't know. It's funny. His speed still shows all the way through. And, and then some of his negatives are probably the exact same now, too. I don't, I don't know how much he's developed over his years in the league. His strengths and weaknesses are still pretty similar.
1: Okay. So two years ago, because last year he played with the New York Jets, yeah. played with the Saints prior to that. As a professional, let's talk, you know. Hey, I used to be a teacher, so we always were told you finish on a positive. So let's start with the negatives. Let's start with what does Quan Alexander, where are the holes in his game? Because the one thing you notice when you look at his bio, the dude hasn't really stuck around anywhere. You know, It's one year here, one year there. Obviously, the year with the Saints, the year with the Jets. He signed a one-year deal with the Steelers. A lot of times there are red flags there. What are some of the weaknesses of Quan Alexander's game?
0: Yeah, and I just want to mention. Don't forget, Quan Alexander did sign a four-year, fifty-four million-dollar contract at one point in his career, and was thought to be pretty short-lived. One of the big up-and-coming, incredible linebackers in football. He got a huge contract; was one of the top linebackers in all the sport. Um, but uh, you know what you're looking at with Quan, and I'm sorry. I just you tell me to do a positive or a negative.
1: <laughs> uh, let's start with the negatives. We're going to finish on a positive. Yeah,
0: yeah. false, false, false steps. Um, Quan Alexander, you're going to see if you look at his negative highlight tape, he's going to be on the wrong side of the field than where the ball is. Um, okay. he's going to, um, one, he's either going to be slow to the point of attack on runs through the middle. Um, he's, if, if he's, if he's not, he's either behind or he's too far ahead in the wrong gap. Um, he's going to, I don't even know if it's his first read. Sometimes it looks like he decides before the play, this is where I'm going. Cause this is what I think the play is. And if he's wrong, he's going to be nowhere close to the ball. Um, leaving a big hole and causing problems.
1: Okay. And that's, and that, that's, he's not the only linebacker that does that. Trust not me. The Steelers all. have seen that a lot. Um Even when you go back to the early days of Ryan Shazier, that was a lot of criticism with him was his speed and athleticism almost was a detriment at times because he would basically try and pick the gap. And then you get someone, I'll give you an example, a running back like Le'Veon Bell, where the very few Man. running backs in the recent <laughs> time period have been that patient behind the line of scrimmage but you'll get a guy that can and he's gonna wait you pick your spot and I'm going the other way uh there's a great story about Vontez Burfick coming off the field complaining about how he can't handle Avion Bell he's like I can't every time I pick a gap he goes the other one that's just how patient he was so Juan Alexander those are the limitations or i'm going to say limitations but how is he in coverage though like that's a good question that a lot of steeler fans want to know because a lot of people are seeing his athleticism his speed explosiveness and they're thinking well this could be a guy that maybe he's a little bit more of a sub package guy for the steelers what are your thoughts in that regard
0: yeah so coverage wise i think he's great um he's typically at that point when the quarterback is dropping back if he's not blitzing the quarterback he is He's got a man that he's covering and reacting to one person. Um, he, he does well. He does really well, especially um, in the flats. Um, yeah. He will help the Steelers in the flats if he is on the field um, during those plays. Um, I, I will say the, the one other when we talk about the, how he is against the run, um, he he does not get low enough really to attack running backs. He likes to stay kind of upright and that causes a problem, but that helps with his coverage because he's upright with tall tight ends um, and, and receivers. Um, there's not many receivers they are going to run away from him as they go into the flat because that's typically kind of a slower developing route. You're not sprinting full speed of that, so he can go full speed and catch up. Um, he will help your coverage game. On third downs, when passes are expected, your coverage um, n- numbers will be better with Quan Alexander in.
1: That's great news, and it's a good segue into the strengths of his game. So you say coverage. We've already talked about speed, athleticism. What are some of the other things that Steeler fans can say, wow, like Quan Alexander could bring this to the defense, could possibly help out in a big way in
0: 2023? So uh, a big one that I don't think most people talk about is um, just kind of the intangible of his energy. Um, He is, if you're at a live game, you may not see this on TV, but if you're at a live game, between plays he is hyping up his other teammates the crowd he is an energetic guy that like makes the team enjoy being on defense um and and i don't know there's not necessarily a way to quantify the energy that he keeps up between plays um again with his with his teammates and with the crowd he is fun to watch um at a a live game for sure and i think it, it helps obviously to keep everybody engaged and and positive um i mean the other thing is you're gonna you can go watch Quan Alexander highlight videos, and he's making tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage if he's diagnosed the play correctly or been put in the right position by by coaching and, and, and scheme. Um, if he's there, he's going to hit or slow down people behind behind the line of scrimmage or even with the line of scrimmage. Like You're just not getting far with him. You're not beating him on a foot race to the side very often. So there are some and I say negative plays, offensive negative plays, that he can help your defense make quite a bit if you put him in the right position and kind of limit the responsibilities that you're asking him to make or the decisions you're asking him to make in real time.
1: In your experience, and again, you've seen him live. You covered him for a year when he was with the New Orleans Saints. How is, is he a team guy? Is he a team first player? Is there, Or is he one of those players that... Comes in, and I don't want to make, paint the picture that they're selfish, but you've, we've all seen these free agents that come in, and they just never really buy into the system. They never really seem like they really get the chemistry that's going on. Now, thankfully for the Steelers, I think he comes in early in camp that he's going to get a good solid month or plus before the the games start coming. It's going to give him plenty of time to get acclimated to the team, the coaching staff, the system. But is he a team first guy, in your opinion? Yeah, he, he really is. G- great attitude. Teammates love him. Uh,
0: media loves him. He does a good job with interviews and being fun and playing with the media and being energetic and just being a fun guy. Um, the only thing I could see is if you're going to have a problem with him, and, and I haven't seen this problem, but he's going to think he's one of the three or four best linebackers on your team. Of course. If he's not playing, um, I don't think he's going to come in and special, play special teams. Right. Um, not this kind of veteran. Um, but if he... I, I could see it been making this up becoming a problem because, again, he remembers it wasn't that long ago. He's one of the top linebackers, paid linebackers in all of football. And I don't know if he is fully grasped why the last three years it's been tough for him to get on with the team and why he's taking lower amounts of money and why he's having to restructure his deal and things like that. I'm not sure if he fully grasps um, what's going on. Um, if he does, yes. I mean, I, I don't think you can you can beat him as far as. Um, he's a team guy. It's fun to be around media loves him. Again, everybody's a, a big fan of his energy and positiveness.
1: Good. I mean, so, so far I'm hearing some stuff that I'm actually intrigued about. The Steelers have struggled with coverage from their inside linebacker position. You know, whether you talk about post knee injury, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane last year, Joe Showbert, all these players that were supposed to be athletic enough to cover. They've struggled in the, with, for the Steelers. And to be honest, the Steelers have never, found the answer since Ryan Shazier's tragic accident in 2017. Let's go back to his time in New Orleans, though. He spent a year there. Were the, were the Saints interested in bringing him back? And if they weren't, why do you think they didn't? And they didn't have the interest in bringing him back? Well, well, absolutely.
0: Like he's a um, He was making too much money and there was having to be restructured. And I think that he thought he was still going to get a starting job somewhere um beyond um what was what was uh was going to be his opportunities in, in New Orleans um I really think um think that was the big the big problem with him is necessarily understanding here's what we can pay you. The, the Saints are known for kind of drawing a line in the sand with free agents or their own players of here's here's your value to us. There's not a lot of negotiation back and forth with the Saints. Um maybe the way a deal is structured the Saints are known for being pretty um <laughs> revolutionary with that but right. the amount of money they're going to guarantee you just isn't there um and, and they're not gonna they're not gonna go up and i think that that rang true with the fan base who loved Quan and loved his attitude and loved his energy but was like if we want to be good we have to upgrade this position and so it really becomes um where as a team you're like well, we can pay this guy this much because he can't be our starter he's going to have to be our backup at least in our scheme and Quan saying, I'm fast enough, I'm good enough, I'm healthy enough to, to, to be a starter.
1: There's a disconnect here. And yeah. you, you kind of are, are touching on this. And it might just be player expectation versus organizational expectations. Because when you think about it, you are speaking actually pretty glowingly of Quan Alexander. Sure, he has his shortcomings, but which player doesn't? Every player does. No player is perfect, whether you're talking offense, defense, special teams, doesn't matter. Everyone has a weakness. He has his own. And so then you talk about, okay, Year with the Saints, doesn't pan out, signs with the Jets. Robert Salaz spoke glowingly of Quan Alexander in a press conference the other day saying how he loved him. He's a great teammate. He was a great player, yet they don't bring him back either. Right. So this is where I'm like, okay, so is perception reality? Where is the disconnect? Is it all based on player perception and what he wants? Because he, he visited with the Steelers way back before – Really, OTAs got going, left without a contract. And then it's not until training camp that he signs a deal. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, that leaves you to think that he came in with this dealer. the Steelers. The Steelers said, Hey, we'd like to bring you in. Here's the amount of money we can pay you. And Quan goes, I'm going to go look for a better deal. Yeah. Didn't get it and came back. Um, and I think that the thing, and here's the thing with Quan, is he's not necessarily going to make a ton of mistakes but his mistakes aren't typically small. They end up being very magnified. It's literally him missing a gap where he's supposed to be. And the running back then goes on a 30 to 70 yard run because he was the linebacker that was supposed to be. And again, most defensive um kind of schemes when you're against the run, it's not for your defensive lineman to make tackle the run back, the, the, the running back. It is your, for your defensive lineman to eat up an offensive lineman. And you've got to have those linebackers that are meeting them at the line. Quan would be in the wrong spot. So I think that that was the big thing is what you're seeing. It's not necessarily that he's making a mistake on every other play,
1: but when he does, it can come as a high cost. So let me final question before I let you go. And I really do appreciate your time. If you were to build the perfect role on a defense for Quan Alexander. So you're like, Hey, here's what you do. Well, here's what you don't do. Well, if you could be a linebacker that just has to do this, this, what is that? Because I want to see if what you answer is what everyone thinks the Steelers are going to do.
0: Yeah, I see him as a, a, a third down, um, you know, kind of nickel and dime package when you're expecting pass um, with you know third and medium or third and long, um, and then you can disguise him as possibly blitzing the, the quarterback because he's fast, mm-hmm. um, but also really putting him in a position where tight ends or running backs out in the flat um, are people that he can can run with and trap to the sideline.
1: Hot damn, that's exactly what everyone's suggesting the Steelers do. They've got a Landon Roberts. They've got Cole Holcomb, Mark Robinson. They're all downhill thumpers, guys that stop the run extremely well. The hope is that Quan Alexander is that third down specialist, the guy in obvious down and distances where you know they're going to pass, get him on the field, use his athleticism, his coverage ability. Sounds like what you're explaining as a perfect role for Quan Alexander might just be what the Steelers want him to do. Am I right?
0: Yeah, that sounds that sounds the perfect role for him. And honestly, I think that it ends up being something you put him in the position to succeed. You're going to have great highlights from Quan this year. Um, and I could see him maybe extending and being with the, the Steelers for a couple of years, probably on year to year deals. Yes. But he's going to have success if you keep him in that role. Um, the the danger is going to be if somebody gets hurt, and then you ask him to yes. overextend what he's really good at. Um and I'll just be honest with you. Quan doesn't have the best injury history either. Mm. So you got to keep him healthy. So I think limiting his stat snaps, the third down coverage snaps and stuff like that is great. It's for for the team and for him probably helps him get another deal next year. If he can stay healthy this year. And and as long as Quan will accept that role, which again, I, I think you will. Um, I think it's why he's there. Yeah. Um, then, then uh, I think y'all could have a real winner on your hands um, and, you know, think that maybe at the end of the year, y'all might be thinking y'all underpaid him and got a good deal.
1: There you go. So, Stila fans, he, th- those that want to know more about Quan Alexander, he's a guy that followed him college. Obviously, followed him, for, followed him for the year with the Saints. He's followed his career, knows a lot about him. Wesley, I appreciate your time. Tell us where people might be able to find you on Fans First Sports Network.
0: Man, thanks for having me on. Um, I am uh, on the Dome Patrol podcast. Uh, we can find us on Twitter at, at Dome Patrol PCAST. And um, I'm also on Twitter myself at, at Hoody, wesley 13
1: And you can hear him on the Fans First NFL feed with me, Opinion or Fact. Make sure you check those out. We'll be doing like four of those a week. We just did one Monday, Tuesday. We're going to have two more coming up Thursday and Friday, so make sure you check those out. Wesley, thank you for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Alright Steelers fans, welcome back. I really thank Wesley for taking the time and being a part of the show. It is appreciated. It is time though. It's Wednesday. Happy Hump Day everyone. It's the second half of the show. You know what that means. It's time for the mailbag segment. I put out the question. or I put out the tweet. You put out the questions. I provide the answers. Let's get this off with Doc M, Southside Doc. He asked, describe the conditions that would need to happen for Kenny to regress. Did the organization do everything needed to allow him to progress? Regardless of wins, why shouldn't the offense perform better? Why shouldn't the offense perform better than 2022? In my opinion, Doc, the only way that Kenny Pickett regresses is if the offensive line is awful. Maybe they're banged up. They've got a lot of injuries. If Kenny Pickett doesn't have time, you're going to see him escaping the pocket too early, not trusting his protection, and that's going to equate to him looking frazzled at times, rushing throws. Again, bailing the pocket when there is actually a pocket there. We saw a lot of that as a rookie. We haven't seen that a ton in training camp. So to me, that's he's maturing. He's growing into that role. The biggest factor is can the offensive line stay healthy and keep him upright? Did the organization do everything needed to allow him to progress? I think so. They beefed up the offensive line, including the depth. They added more weapons. He gets weapons like Calvin Austin, the third back. You have Darnell Washington now. I think they've done everything. And regardless of wins, why shouldn't the offense perform better? I really don't have an answer as to why they should shouldn't perform better. They, they absolutely should perform better than 2022. Heath Davis has a couple LFA with the new addition to the inside linebacker room. Who do you see becoming the new bubble guy? I honestly think they're going to keep four. And I think that the four that they're going to keep are the four that we all know. Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts. Now you talk about Quan Alexander and Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson has been impressive so far in camp as well. The question then becomes these tweeners who, who doesn't get, who doesn't stick around. You know, we're talking about Tanner Muse, you know, you bring up, I think it's Kiwakowski who is another inside linebacker. Those are the guys that are now in the bubble. Another one from Heath, the expectations for the season continue to build. Looking at the schedule, I can see us possibly winning 13 games this year, and as they say, anyone on any given Sunday. Do you think our possible win total has gone up throughout the offseason? Well, the the actual win total has gone up. Uh, I've seen original lines is around 8, 8.5. I've seen it go up to about 9. So they have gone up, and I think that's rightfully so. They have had a good draft. They had good offseason. season. Definitely in the preseason, hopefully you start to see some prog- progression there. So I think, yeah, it has gone up. And last from Heath Davis was the inside linebacker move, the final edition of the offseason. I think it was the last piece of the puzzle. Love the signing of Quan Alexander. I'm really looking forward to seeing what this inside linebacker room can do. And I'm even more excited after talking to Wesley in the first half of this podcast. All right, Brian Haynes asked a bunch. Let's get through these. First, Big Ben gets inserted to announce a game. Where would you rather he be? In the booth, the sideline, color commentator, play-by-play, I think he'd have a blast doing sisterhood things, LOL. I'm gonna say that I would want Ben to be not Tony Romo. I would want a three-person booth, and I, don't, I just want Ben to chime in on occasion, because I think he would provide some value, but I don't think he needs to be the main focal point. So color commentary, I don't want play-by-play. I don't want him on the sidelines. He's not Tony Saragusa. Rest in peace, Goose. But still, I I want him in the booth. Next from Brian. Over the years, the Steelers have had phenomenal players on both sides of the ball. In your opinion, who would win a game between the best offensive players and the best defensive players the Steelers have ever had? I got to go with the defense. They've had so many legendary defenders, whether it's back in the 70s, early 2000s, even in the 90s in Blitzburg. I'll go with the defense. Next from Brian. Which would be more disheartening, another nine and eight year without the playoffs or an 11 and six record and a wild card trouncing like the Browns gave us. To me, a step forward is getting to the playoffs. So even though they might get there and not win, getting there is important. So I will take uh, if I had to choose between the two, I'll take getting to the playoffs and winning 11 games. what would be most more disheartening is nine and eight not getting there. Okay, another one from Brian. What do you think is the Steelers' biggest hurdle this season? Is it a team? Is it a team, meaning is, are they the hurdle? Is it getting out of your own way? What is going to be the most difficult thing to overcome this season? I think the biggest hurdle this season is the Steelers finding ways to execute a game plan, and I think that's important, and that sounds really elementary and stupid, but it, whether it's defensively, offensively, they've got to go out and execute. That is the biggest thing. So and I guess in that way they got they have to get out of their own way the biggest difficult thing to overcome might be themselves. So I'm, gonna, I'm anxious to see, think about the defensive secondary. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces there. I'm anxious to see what this looks like. couple more from Brian. I truly believe we can make a strong run in the playoffs, and if the ball bounces our way, we could make the Super Bowl. Do you think we would lose more players like Cam Sutton uh, if we win the Super Bowl or if we lost? I don't know. Um, I I think that, honestly, you talk about like Patrick Peterson, Larry Ogunjobi, Cam Hayward – I don't think that Cam Hayward still has two years on his deal. I believe Patrick Peterson signed a two-year deal, Larry Ogunjobi, three-year deal players that you listed. So I don't think it would matter too much really. I mean, unless they decide to retire, which is a different story altogether. Last one from Brian. If the Steelers players had to do a production of space balls, who would play what parts? Oh my gosh. You have all these questions. Um, we'll say Kenny Pickett is lone star. Uh, we'll say it's here. I'm trying to think of Darth Helmet. Uh, Chris Boswell, Darth Helmet, um, I, I guess would say Mason Cole can be John Kennedy's character of, uh, oh, I forget the guy's name, the dog. He's the dog. Okay, Eric asks you, the NFL announced its partnership for an alternate Nickelodeon simulcast for the Super Bowl. I knew someone was going to bring this up, and I'm not shocked it's you, Eric. If the Steelers made it and it was only aired on Nickelodeon, would you still watch it? If I had no other option, Eric, like no way like I, there's, there's not a game on ABC. It's not on ESPN. It's on an NBC Fox and whatever CBS. No, I, I would watch it. I would, I would be pissed off watching SpongeBob SquarePants fat face between field goal posts, but still I would watch it because I'd rather watch the Steelers in the Super Bowl than not watching it at all. I hate it, but I don't hate it that much. Last question or next question from Eric. Also, if DJ has a Pro Bowl year, do you think the Steelers would offer him an extension? I don't think so. I don't think they would offer an extension just yet. He still has a couple years left on his deal. Thomas said, heading to camp this Saturday for the first time, what should I expect? Will it be a padded practice? Okay, so this is going to be tough. Every year, Mike Tomlin kind of does things differently. So Tuesday, padded practice. Today, Wednesday, let's see what they do. Will he have them in a you know the, the shells where there's... Some contact, but it's not full contact. Will he have them going full bore again and have it be a straight up padded practice again? If he goes a second straight padded practice, so now that's you're talking Wednesday, you would think Thursday is going to be a lighter day. What does he do on Friday? Does he repeat it on Saturday? You got to watch these trends, Thomas. I, I hope it's a padded practice, but I, I hope you get to see one because it's a different vibe. You can just tell, even from videos on Twitter. All right. David Briggs says, I've heard there's a lot of people, including Elon, insinuating we are living in a simulation. If that's the case, out of 100 tries, how many simulations do you think would have the Steelers making it to at least the divisional round of the playoffs this year? Give me 45% of the simulations have the Steelers going to the divisional round. Totally just picked a number out of the hat. No clue. Is George Pickens really him? Ask several questions. First one, thoughts on our Super Bowl squad. Uh, it's here. He's talking about. So he's comparing the current players to past players that have won Super Bowls. Quan Alexander, Patsy James, Ferrier, T.J. Watt, James Harrison, Minka Fitzpatrick, Troy, Cam Hayward, Big Snack, Casey Hampton, Najee Harris, the Bus, Anthony McFarland, Willie Parker, a, a- Rob, Heinz Ward, Pat Frymuth, Heath, George Pickens. He just writes him, which is hysterical. JPJ, Ike Taylor, uh, Alex Highsmith, LaVon Kirkland, um, I would, Deontay Johnson, Santonio Holmes, Keanu Neal, Ryan Clark, Kenny Pickett, question mark is deja vu. My question is, are you ready for that seventh Lombardi? The answer is yes, I am ready for that. Next one from George Pickens. Uh, is George Pickens really him thoughts on a mid season, Deontay Johnson trade. Now that we know George is the best wide receiver in the world. A Rob is emerging. Hakeem is prototypical big outside receiver And Calvin is the next coming of Tyreek. What are the odds? We flip 18 to the Broncos for a first and fifth after six weeks of balling out. I don't know why everyone is obsessed with trading Deontay Johnson. Maybe it's the fact that they, he didn't have a touchdown last year. I don't know. I don't want to trade the guy. If he's valuable, then you're going to lose that value and you're not going to get anything if he's not valuable. So I'm not really going to entertain this. I hope he balls out and I hope the Steelers win because of it. Last one from is George Pickens really him last one for the hat trick. Obviously I should be more productive with my time at work. Serious question. Is George Pickens really him? Obviously I'm thinking so. Yeah. I mean, he, the dude looks like he has, I mean, he is the, he said it himself. He's the prototypical wide receiver, right? He's the prototype tall, long, long, Catch radius, blocking, toughness, speed. He just has to put it all together, and hopefully the quarterback is the guy that can help him along the way. Last question from Eric. If you have to pick three players on both sides of the ball this year, who you got? Also, if you have a sleeper pick to surprise and make the Pro Bowl, maybe Kenny. So the surprise, I'll go with Kenny Pickett to make the Pro Bowl. Three players to ball out on both sides. I'm going to go Kenny Pickett. I'm going to go um, in terms of balling out. So this is like really putting up good numbers. I'm going to go George Pickens. I'm actually going to go Najee Harris. Um, Pat Fryermeath could be thrown in there as well. On defense, I'm going to go with Alex Highsmith. I'll go with Cam Hayward. And lastly, Minka Fitzpatrick, because why not, you know? All right, good show. I really enjoyed this show. Hope you all liked that interview with uh, Wesley. I'm going to have another interview on Friday, not counting the All Bets Are Off segment. That's going to be a fun one. Let's say it's another division rival. We'll, we'll talk about that on Friday. In the meantime, you know how we finished it out here, right? Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We will see you on Friday. Go Steelers.